2: Jesus gives us in the Gospel of John, these seven I am statements, he's introducing us to who he is, and that is very significant because when you understand who God is, it begins to change who you are. rang out through the night. But it was not a call of panic. It was not even a call to war. It was a familiar call and the hearers would understand the reasoning behind the call. The Turkish soldiers of World War I had intended to threaten the Jerusalem shepherds. They had snuck in by night and they by force had taken control of the sheep. These shepherds had no choice in the moment but to succumb to the attack. Their sheep were taken hostage. But they were not afraid because they knew that in the end they had a greater weapon than any of the weapons of those Turkish soldiers. So in the middle of the night, they used their weapon, their call. They called out to the sheep. And the sheep instantly began to hustle and bustle from their sleepy gaze. And they began to move toward the sound of the call. Because they knew the source. And they knew the significance. The shepherd. Knows how to call the sheep, and the sheep hear his voice. Do you know the shepherd's voice? There are a lot of voices screaming at us today. What voices are you listening to? There's a lot of noise in our society. A lot of people telling you what to think and and what to do, how to respond, uh, how to act. But as Christ followers, we have this reality. We have access to the one who speaks with calm and calls us to turn to him. In our rapidly changing and increasingly chaotic world, it's important that we listen to the right Voices. And we've been talking about how to do that already for the last several weeks at Mission Hill Church. We've been in this series called Hello, my name is I Am. My name is Paul, but we've been talking about I Am. And here's the reality. When Jesus gives us in the gospel of John, these seven I am statements, he's introducing us to who he is. And that is very significant because when you understand who God is, it begins to change who you are. And that's what Jesus did in the gospel of John. He was shocking the religious culture. In fact, he was taking them back to the name that God had given himself when asked by Moses. Do you remember the encounter with Moses at the burning bush? It it took place in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I I come to the people of Israel and and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? Well, what shall I say to them? And, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me. God was saying then, he's saying to you, he's saying to our world today, I am, I, I was, I am today, and I forevermore will be. Nothing you encounter catches me off guard. And so, when Jesus then would begin to introduce himself with these statements saying that he was, that he is, and that he forevermore will be, that was blasphemous in the eyes of the religious. We first learned that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Just think about that for a second. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, I am your source. I am your satisfaction. I am the only thing that can save you. I am the bread of life. I'm so thankful for that truth from Scripture. But Then Jesus would move from John 6, having said he was the bread of life, to John 8, saying, I am the light of the world. Think about that. The one who spoke and separated light and darkness tells us that he is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus wants to form you. It means that Jesus wants to fill you. It means that Jesus wants to make darkness flee from you. He's the light of the world. But if there was any confusion in an interaction after saying that, in John 8, in verse 58, he goes out on a limb. And he says, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I want you to understand, this is a big deal. And it's as current as this morning's headlines. You need to know who Jesus said he is because I am changes who I am. Just think about that right where you are this morning. As you're listening to these words, who God is directly changes who you are. The more I understand who Jesus is, the more I begin to realize who it is that he wants me to be. So today, we're not gonna spend all of our time talking about our circumstances. We're not gonna spend all of our energy talking about, the challenges. We're not going to focus this morning on current events. We're going to talk about the Christ, the one that the Bible says is anointed to be the Savior, to help us through whatever circumstances and whatever challenges and whatever current events we may face in this world. That's our hope. That's the one we must focus on. And Jesus draws us to that beautifully in John chapter 10. So I'd encourage you, whether you're on a mobile device or whether you have a copy of God's printed word in front of you to find John chapter 10 and, and follow along in this passage. Remember the context in John chapter nine, Jesus had just performed this amazing miracle where a man born blind from birth was healed. And at the end of what we have is John chapter nine. He's ultimately healed. Because physical healing is not the most important thing that you could ever encounter in life. But spiritual healing. So the Bible tells us that Jesus gave this man eternal life. And not only did he see what he had never seen. He saw the one who changed everything. He saw Jesus. Jesus had healed this man and then began to cause controversy once again with the religious leaders. And and Jesus condemns them. He talks about their need to see. And notice what he goes on to say in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he's brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, uh, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers, this figure of speech Jesus used with them. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Would you join me in prayer and let's ask God to speak once again his truth into our lives for eternal change. Let's pray together. So Father, in the name of Jesus, once more we pause in this season of worship to communicate with you. Lord, we know that in uncertain times and difficult days and challenging chaos, really the greatest thing we can do is stop and pray. Lord, we cover our situation and we cover this service of worship once more in prayer. And here's what we ask. Would you continue to give us what we do not have? Would you continue to teach us what we do not know? Lord, would you continue to make us what we've not yet become? Mold us and shape us into your image that we might be more like you. God, we want to know all we can about who you are because we know that affects who we are to be. And we want to shine with your light and love in our community in this season like never before. So, Lord, we thank you. Father, I pray that prayer of David, I pray that as you've created in me a clean heart and you've renewed a right spirit within me, that the words of my mouth and even the meditation in my heart would be pleasing to you, my strength and my redeemer. God, may eternal change take place because of our time together today. We ask this again in the name of Jesus the Christ. door of the sheep. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little odd to me. (laughs) I I think I need a little better understanding. I am the door of the sheep. Uh, To help you understand that, I want you to know what's going to take place if you were to continue reading in John chapter 10, as we will next week. In John chapter 10, we actually have two of the I am statements of Jesus. Jesus first says, I am the door. Secondly, he says, I am the good shepherd. And that I am statement, I am the good shepherd, really provides the context for all that we see about what Jesus is describing here in John chapter 10. We can understand a little bit about Jesus saying he's the good shepherd because as children, we learn about the good shepherd in Psalms 23, right? Let me just read a little bit of that to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sakes. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Anyone who's familiar with scriptures understands the idea that God desires to be looked at as our shepherd. So when Jesus would describe himself as our good shepherd, that would not be surprising. But it gives us the context for what he's saying here when he said he is the door. Because what is that goal of the shepherd? Well, the shepherd's got to take care of the sheep, right? And the shepherd does that in all kinds of ways. A few weeks ago, we, we talked about how um, a sheep may be cast. And you remember what it means to be cast? Uh, a sheep may be stuck, and I illustrated that. So just in case you missed it, I'm going to illustrate it again. Uh, I, I imagine a, a sheep that's kind of tripped in a hole, in a crevice, uh, there in the field, and they find themselves rolling over because, like the pastor, they've got a big belly. And, and all of a sudden, all they can do is have four legs up in the air as if to say, I've fallen and I can't get up. It's a cast sheep. And we're reminded that the good shepherd comes and he helps the cast sheep, he picks us up when nothing else can help us. He is the one who's there. For us. But I want to tell you something else the shepherd does. The shepherd's going to protect his flock, so he has a pin, usually made with a stone wall. That stone wall will be high enough that the sheep cannot jump over the wall. And just to protect the sheep from outside intruders, uh, that stone wall will have on top of it something uh, that would deter the intruder, uh, whether that would be a thief, uh, like I described about those Turkish soldiers in World War I, or, or whether that would be a, a lion, a, a tiger, or a bear, oh my, whatever it was, it would protect them from the intruder. But there was an opening. That opening was how the sheep would come in and out. Now, when we think of a door, we think of something like what you see right here. Uh, a door is just an entrance and an exit. It allows you to go from one side to another. Jesus was describing something different when he said, I am the door. Because that sheep pen would simply be an opening. There would be no closure. It would be an opening, and that's where the sheep would come in and out. So in the evening, to provide further protection, after the shepherd would get himself into the pen with the sheep, he would become the door. You would not get to the sheep without first going through the shepherd. Some of you just had an aha moment. You you grew up, maybe you heard that in Sunday school and you never knew that. When Jesus is saying, I am the door, what he's saying is nothing touches your life without first filtering through me. I am the one to give you help. I am the one to give you hope. I am the one to give you healing. Let me just tell you some of what this means to us. If Jesus is the door, he changes our perspective. We see things differently. Do you remember what I I said had just happened? Jesus had just given sight a blind man. This is a continuation of his teaching. Uh, Imagine what that was like. This man, blind from birth, he had never seen people outlined as the figures he would see. He had never seen the pool that he would regularly sit by. He would never see the places of worship that he would go into. His world changed. And that's what Jesus Jesus does when you encounter him. You see things differently. Your perspective changes. I want you to understand, no matter what we're facing, whether in a crisis like the one in our midst today or anything you will face in your life, when God opens our eyes to the presence of Jesus, it changes everything. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that should be evident. It should be evident in your countenance it should be evident in your attitude it should be evident in your your actions when everybody else is running around panicking and buying up all the toilet paper and and wondering what in the world's going to happen you go forward yes in wisdom but in faith wisdom and faith are not at odds with one another because you have confidence in the one who's changed everything That shepherd becoming the door, it had further meaning for those sheep. They knew their shepherd, but their shepherd knew them. And Maybe I just need to remind you of that truth today. The shepherd knows your name. I love that song. And maybe you remember some of the little chorus. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. Maybe, maybe you need to be reminded today that he knows you. He knows your name. He knows your nature. Some of you are you're more wired to worry. And a lot of times it's because of what's happened in your life. You went through something very difficult. You you went through challenges that were unfair and uncalled for. And and as a result, you view things differently today. But understand, when you've got the perspective of Jesus, that changes even those things. Because He knows your nature. He, He knows your weaknesses. And He knows your needs. He knows everything you need. Do you believe the scriptures when it says in Philippians 4 that my God shall supply, he will supply, he does supply your needs. Not according to your standards, but according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So I would just ask you, take a step back. Are you viewing this current situation? Are you viewing your life through the perspective of the presence of Jesus? Do you realize, have you accepted that nothing's coming to you without first going through him? That's a big deal. My friend Ray and I spent some time together on on Friday evening. And he was telling me a story he had this week, an encounter at Lowe's out in the parking lot. You know, our current situation with the coronavirus has everybody talking about sickness and maybe some even thinking about death. And this young man asked him, hey, what do you think about this? Are you afraid you're going to get it? And and Ray, as only Ray could say, said, well, no, I, I'm saved and born again. I love the way I hear Ray say that. He says, I'm saved and born again. And he said, that means that Jesus has got me. So nothing's going to touch me that hasn't first come through Jesus. So if Jesus wants me to get this virus, I'm gonna get the virus. And if I go see Jesus, I just get more Jesus. But if Jesus doesn't want me to get the virus, I'm not gonna get the virus. And I still got Jesus. What is that? That's just perspective. That's understanding uh, that the door is there for me. That he is filtering everything that comes to my life. That means he's never caught off guard by it. And he will see me through. Though they're not the smartest animals, those sheep, they could not miss the presence of the shepherd. Because he was the door. So we better not miss his presence. God's ultimate provision is his unfailing presence. Hold on to that truth today. His greatest gift is that he's with us. And that should change things in our little corner of the world. So let me lay it out with you before I pray. First of all, acknowledge today that he's the one who gave you physical life. If you woke up this morning, it's not simply because you ate well last night. It's not because you exercised 20 minutes a day, four times a week. If you woke up this morning, it's because the creator of the universe said, all right, I'm going to gift you another day. No one's ever entered into his present a moment too soon. And you or I will not be late. He's the giver of life physically. But what Jesus was saying is I'm also giving you life eternal. I want to remind you once more before I pray that you are an eternal being. You're going to spend forever somewhere. And Jesus deeply desires that you spend forever with him. He wants you to have life and he wants you to have it eternal he makes clear he also wants you to have a
1: right You've been listening to the Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement